Welcome back to This Week in Dystopia. I'm your host, Christopher Robichaud. I'm a senior lecturer in ethics and public policy at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government. Individuals who claim that comic book stories have something deep about them, something worth considering as adults, something worth engaging on a certain level, they're just lying to themselves. As he puts it, if you want to read this stuff or watch these movies as an adult, fine, but don't go around pretending that there's anything sophisticated or particularly adult about this kind of entertainment. It's meant for children. Children enjoy it. And really, those of us who are adults who continue to return to it are just wrapped up in a kind of nostalgia that maybe we should put aside. We're going to have a shorter episode this week following on last week's episode where we got an opportunity to talk a little bit about the NFL and politics. And as I mentioned then, the entire theme for the second season of This Week in Dystopia is the intersection of pop culture and politics. And what I want to do today is just spend a few minutes talking a little bit about why I find that a very interesting space to explore and why some people don't. So a lot of let's start with the let's start with the latter. A lot of people do not find anything interesting or desirable about mixing their popular entertainment and politics. And I think that that's fine if you want to uh, not engage in that kind of a conversation. But I think it's important to know that an assumption of this season of this week in dystopia is that one is not inserting politics into popular entertainment, where if we just didn't do that work, it wouldn't have existed at all. Rather, we're extracting the political from popular entertainment. In other words, it's always there, right underneath the surface. And sometimes, as we saw last week with uh, individuals like Colin Kaepernick, it's not even underneath the surface. It's there in your face intentionally in order to animate your sensibilities. The thought behind this season is popular entertainment, like any sort of engagement with the public's imagination, cannot help but be political to a certain extent. And the really interesting question is, what can we learn from popular entertainment in terms of informing us about politics or seeing the political angle of things by engaging it in a degree that's somewhat sophisticated? And that's really what we want to do here during this second season. We're not just going to be talking about, hey, this cool thing came out. Isn't that awesome? Rather, we're going to be bringing guests onto the show who are really smart and really interesting, and also really into one or more kinds of popular entertainment. And we're going to talk to them to learn about how they look and consume this sort of things and what they can teach us about politics through their engagement of pop culture. So with that all being said, I guess I do need to answer one criticism which often arises, which is something of the form, oh my goodness, what a shame that these active, engaging minds are wasting their time thinking deep and hard about pop culture. Pop culture does not deserve to be engaged in this way, whether it's to look at it from the lens of politics or anything else. And I admit that during this season, we will not just look at it through the lens of politics, but in re- in the, uh, we will also look at it in related areas of ethics and of theory. But you can imagine many people coming in and saying, you're wasting your time. The arts deserve to be engaged in this way, but pop culture, the pop part of the culture, absolutely does not. If you think I'm making this criticism up, you do not need to look very far to find very vocal critics right here and now often sharing their opinions to wide audiences about how this or that form of popular entertainment 
is childish and certainly not worth thinking about with any degree of sophistication amongst adults. For instance, Bill Maurer once again decided that he hadn't said enough upon the passing of Stanley in November when he made fun of people, that is, adults who read comic books. He wanted to have another go at it. And so in a recent episode, he decided to give a lengthy editorial answering the criticisms that he received for taking the occasion of Stanley's death to mock, to put it bluntly, Adults who consume comic book stories either through reading comic books or watching television shows or going to the movies or, like me, doing all of the above. Now, Maurer, in his defense, uh, did make it clear, and I think this is absolutely right, that he wasn't, he wasn't making fun of Stanley, per se, upon Stanley's death. Uh, that, that probably was an overreaction and an uncharitable reaction. But all the same, uh, if you do watch or listen to his most recent piece on this, He could not make it more clear that he thinks that individuals who claim that comic book stories have something deep about them, something worth considering as adults, something worth engaging on a certain level, that they're just lying to themselves. As he puts it, if you want to read this stuff or watch these movies as an adult, fine, but don't go around pretending that there's anything sophisticated or particularly adult about this kind of entertainment. It's meant for children. Children enjoy it, and really, those of us who are adults who continue to return to it are just wrapped up in a kind of nostalgia that maybe we should put aside. Indeed, if I'm recalling correctly during this piece, Maurer, of all people, uh, cites the Bible's you know, famous line, uh, it's time to put away childish things, when referring, to, uh, when referring to adult consumers of comic books. I'm focusing on comics simply because uh, some of the guests on the show, and myself certainly, are, are going to be individuals who do want to engage superhero stories uh, with a fair degree of sophistication and look at the politics of them and look at some of the theory. We did this last season. If you haven't checked out this episode, please do uh, tune in and listen to my colleague and dear friend Leah wright Rigur and I talk about Black Panther when that movie came out. We had a, a wonderful conversation about the movie. More on that movie in a moment. But I consider this to be a reasonable challenge on behalf of people like Maurer. Are you not just wasting your time? So I think what I want to say is there are better and worse ways to answer that challenge. One of the worst ways is what we see, unsurprisingly, right, on, uh, on, on platforms like Twitter. There's a bunch of rage. There's a bunch of hate. Uh, Maurer, you know, rightly sort of makes fun of people who are throwing tantrums at him for him criticizing them. I think he calls them like irony man or something like that. I, that joke somewhat fell flat when he uh, delivered it, but I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, one could try to level a, a sophisticated argument on why Maurer is missing it. I tend to think that the best way to demonstrate that there's something here for adults is not to, you know, articulate a long argument, but rather to demonstrate it. And that's really the spirit of this season of this week in dystopia. In other words, you know, dear Bill Maurer. Uh, You really think there's nothing here to engage at the level of adults? Okay. Do you still think that after listening to this person and that person and this other person, all of whom have extraordinarily established careers, all of whom are, you know, fascinating adults, all of whom are finding something really enriching about stepping outside of football or superhero stories or music or whatever and saying, look, take a look at this through a couple of different lenses. There's something here. Uh, Maybe he still holds on to that. But the way, to, the way to really push back on this is to demonstrate that there's some, some meat here. And that's what I consider this season to, to, to be about. It's also, quite frankly, remarkable what the claim would have to be to be true, that there's no substance for adults to, um, to sort of unpack or uncover in contemporary, say, superhero stories. 
Because here's what you'd end up having to say. Take, for instance, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Now, I read Ta-Nehisi Coates. I read his essays. I read his book. I find him engaging. And then I learn, hey, Ta-Nehisi Coates is writing the Black Panther comic book. What am I supposed to do at this point? Am I supposed to say, well, gosh, so far everything that you've written has been really worth my time. But since you're writing a comic book, I guess that's not going to be worth my time. I suppose some people could say that, but that doesn't seem to me a very reasonable thing to do. Rather, it seems like, well, you know what? I never thought that you might be able to communicate interesting truths to me by way of storytelling in this fashion. But let's see. Let's see what your Black Panther comic book has to say. Let's see what ideas you're exploring. And oh, by the way, uh, I think that his run on Black Panther has been really interesting and has unpacked a lot of themes that are worth uh, spending some time reflecting on. I'm going to keep myself from doing that in the here and now. But this is exactly that's the sort of reasoning that I find a little bit uh, a little bit weird. My friend Marjorie Liu has won every award there is to win with her wondrous, wonderful series Monstrous, uh, and you know she tours the world talking about this this uh, this independent comic book that she's written, and uh, the same idea sort of applies. Marjorie Liu. Uh, you know, established writer, law lawyer, you know, got a law degree. Uh, is she really just writing for children? You know, should she be wagging her finger at any uh, adult woman or man or whatever who's standing in line looking for her signature and saying, well, you know, you're really wasting your time with this. I meant it for five-year-olds. In other words, the thought is it's it's profoundly uncharitable to imagine that the people who are engaging in the medium at the level of creation have as their audience only children. And that should adults try to engage their works, the right response to that is to say, this isn't for you. I'm not going to dwell too much more on this at the time, but I do have to mention, because, heck, I have an opportunity to, that in the space of people criticizing uh, those who, uh, you know, find something worthwhile in these sorts of stories right now, includes now, I guess, Brett Easton Ellis. Brett Easton Ellis is a novelist and has recently uh, blasted the fact that Black Panther was nominated for the Academy Award. You should read all of his comments. Uh, they're they're pretty they're pretty astounding, uh, and as some people have called him out on, somewhat racist in in some of his uh, criticisms. At least the idea being that the only reason that Black Panther has been nominated for an Academy Award is that uh, Hollywood is trying to shove diversity down our throats. Thank you, Mr. Ellis. But again, here we sort of have to wonder how uncharitable do you have to be to watch a movie like Black Panther? And come away thinking that the only reason that people would consider it to be best picture is to shove, quote, shove diversity down people's throats. I think that's a direct quote. You have to, you have to read it. Uh, does it deserve best picture? Well, look, I'm 100% biased. Yes, I want a superhero uh, movie to win best picture. But is it embarrassing that it's even in the mix? Of course not. Uh, we could have, you know, a long conversation about other superhero movies that I wish had been nominated. Top of my list includes The Dark Knight. But Black Panther is doing something different with uh, a medium that has explored ad nauseum the kind of story where you have typically uh, a, a white boy or a white man gaining powers. Black Panther gives us a whole new world, right? It's it's an it's a, a entry into Afrofuturism. It, it looks at a superhero who's not embedded in a democracy, which is how almost all of them came about, but a superhero who's also king. And it explores so many rich themes uh, that that do resonate with uh, people today. In other words, is is it best picture? I don't know. Uh, I want it to be. But to find the whole thing uh, absurd or lunatic or uh, just an exercise in shoving diversity down people's throats, as Mr. Ellis seems to think is true, uh, displays a kind of myopia, a kind of stubbornness, a kind of, wait for it, 
uh, uh, juvenile behavior that is somewhat ironic to appeal to Irony Man again to level on consumers of this when the behavior of criticizing people for liking comic books itself comes across as childish when all you do is pound your fist on the table or throw a tantrum on television or in a blog and say there's nothing here and if there is something here, it's for all the wrong reasons. Those are my two cents, and they deserve to be taken as my two cents. To me, the, 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 real, the real centerpiece of this is folks like Bill Maher, folks like Brett Easton Ellis, if they want to challenge the, the, the sort of quality of, uh, of, um, of some of these medium, uh, fine. The proof is in the eating of the pudding. I, I want this podcast, in a sense, to demonstrate on a weekly basis that there is something here. And it may not be for everyone, and that's totally fine, too. But if you like football or baseball or if you like popular music or if you're as in love with superhero stories as I am, you know what? Don't apologize for it as an adult. Don't hide behind whatever you think you have to hide behind. Uh, If folks want to vocally say, shame on you, there's nothing there, fine. In this space, we're going to show, show that there is weekly, episode after episode, and we're going to have big smiles on our faces while we do so. And I think that that's what really matters. So with that, thank you for listening. Uh, You will not have to endure any more of my ranting exclusively, uh, ideally for the rest of this uh, season of This Week in Dystopia. But I did want to at least put out there how I'm thinking about it and how I hope you as listeners enjoy this uh, without apology because uh, no apologies are necessary for finding popular entertainment worth thinking about through lenses like politics. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week. Join us again next week for another week in This Week in Dystopia. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in Dystopia. Like what you heard? Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. Want more information on each episode? Visit our Medium page at This Week in Dystopia. To stay in touch with us during the week, follow us on Twitter at Week in Dystopia and like us on Facebook. Have ideas for future episodes? Want to share your thoughts? Tweet at us or send us a message. We want to hear from you. This podcast is brought to you by the Ash Center for Democratic Governance and Innovation at the Harvard Kennedy School.